This is a Woodside Church podcast. I'm here to introduce the new summer series that I'm launching uh, today, and it's going to go on for the next six weeks after today, uh, entitled One Liners from Colossians, uh, subtitled Living the New Life. So uh, I hope we're on board for the journey because we've got an exciting lineup of preachers who've each chosen their own one-liner from the, uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, verse, uh, chapters 3 and 4, and they're going to preach a message based on that in a way that is personal to them, but also that has plenty of application for all of us. So uh, that's, that's where we're going. Uh, our aim is going to be, we've had a great team time a few weeks ago, just looking at the whole passage and talking it through, choosing our one-liners and so on um, together. Our main aim will be to encourage us to live a lifestyle that lines up with who we are now in Christ and to encourage us in our personal walk with God. What could be better than that? And uh, although this is a series, each sermon is going to be a standalone, uh, so that easily accessible for people who are away on holiday for a while and then back and so forth. Uh, of course, you can always download the ones you miss. But my job today is to introduce the series and lay a foundation for everything else which is to follow. Now, we're looking at the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. It was a local church. And Paul was writing from prison. Uh, he was in prison for his faith, addressing a whole church. So he wasn't addressing an individual. He's addressing a company of people just like us. Well, probably very different to us, but you know we're a local church as well. So in that kind of uh, vein. And uh, a company made up of believers from many different ethnic, educational, and social backgrounds reminding them that in this new life, it doesn't matter what your background is, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. And uh, he is, first of all, in the first two chapters that we're not looking at, uh, is writing to combat some false teachers who are influencing the church, and his focus up until chapter 3 Um, is who Christ is, his very nature and what he's done. And then he moves on to practical teaching about living the new life in Christ. And that's where we're picking this up. And reminding the church that no part of our lives, individual or together, remains untouched by the loving and liberating rule of Jesus. Is that not good news? And we are to live in the present as the kind of people we will become for the whole of eternity, characterized by mercy and generosity, forgiveness and love. So today I'm entitling the introduction, New, Not Old. And my one-liner from uh, this part of Colossians is, Put on the new nature. And it's all based on Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 uh, to 14, but uh, missing out uh, verse 13, because that's what Samuel's going to be on uh, primarily next week. Now, I don't know about you, but over the years, particularly early years as a Christian, I have been aware of behavior, 
thought patterns, attitudes within myself, and things that I've said that didn't line up with the new life that I had in Christ. And I know we prayed just now for those going to New Day, but youth weekends have been around, or youth weeks for a long time. And when I was 15, I actually was on a youth weekend. And I have to confess, I can't remember who the speakers were. It was with other churches as well, youth groups from uh, various parts of the country. I can't remember anything about the worship. I can't remember much about the location. But there is one thing I can remember that still stands out today. And it was in the downtime and chill out time. Uh, we didn't used to call it that in those days, but anyway. A group of friends, uh, about six or seven of us, were just sitting around on the grass, just chatting. And uh, as you do. And two of us, myself and this other friend, he and I were, were starting to converse about the fact that both of us felt that we'd like to be baptized. And we were encouraging each each other in that. Now in our group of friends was one uh, chap and he, he, he didn't even claim to be a Christian. He was there uh, for the weekend, quite happy to be in that setting, but he, he wasn't a Christian. And uh, I was shocked because as uh, two of us were having this conversation about being baptized, he looked at me and said something to the effect of, you can't. You can't get baptized. I looked, I said, well, why not? He said, well, you just can't. I said, well, why not? He said, well, you can't be a Christian the way that you are, the way that you act, the way that you behave. I can't believe it. Well, I was shocked. I mean, I had given my life to Christ when I was 15, and I do admit I, was going, I went through some tricky times as a teenager. But God used his shocking uh, opinion of me at that very point for the better. And it helped me to start to evaluate some things in my life that actually needed to change. And I did subsequently get baptised, and I've never forgotten that conversation. And for those of you going to New Day, I mean, we can guarantee the worship's going to be great, the teaching, the atmosphere, what God's going to do. I mean, there's going to be amazing things. For those of you going to New Day, we know you're going to get great food, whatever the weather, you're going to have great time camping all together and all these kinds of things. And I, we've all prayed and trusted that this is going to be an excellent week for you. But don't forget the conversations. I mean, sometimes conversations, one friend with another or a little group of friends talking about the things of God, like they did for me, can have a huge impact. And that's the same for all of us. It's great to have conversations about God of that kind of nature. And uh, <clears throat> so I was shocked by this friend who said what he said to me. And Paul is quite shocking to the church in Colossians. I mean, he actually says... In these verses, and we're going to read section by section different uh, parts of these uh, verses, he says this, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Now he's talking to a Christian church here, a local church, and saying this. And uh, I mean, that's shocking. You imagine if we had some great apostle like Paul writing to us as a church, we're in anticipation of this encouraging letter, and then suddenly this is some of what he says to us. Think, oh, uh, what a shock. And what he then does is he, he starts to unpack uh, what he's saying. And I must admit, now I'm uh, more mature uh, than I was when I was 15, or I trust I am anyway. 
um, and realize, I still realize that changes in my life are still needed. And some that many years ago, I would, would not have seen, would have seemed very minor. And probably not even noticed at all. But now I see they are bigger than I ever realized. Before my voice broke when I was a boy, I was a chorister for about four years in a church choir, Evangelical Anglican Church. And I can remember week in, week out, this same prayer being prayed. Father, forgive us for the things that we have done that we ought not to have done. And then it was this phrase, and forgive us for the things that we ought to have done that we have not done, what they call sins of omission. And sometimes we can be so focused on the things that we, you know, get rid of those, got to be ask God's forgiveness, and he does. But sometimes there are things that God wants us to do that we keep a deaf ear to, that he's ready to speak about. And even today there may be some things that the Spirit of God will just whisper into your heart and into your life. So talking to the Colossians about their behavior, Paul uses the analogy of clothing, teaching them to be aware of what clothes they're wearing. He was teaching them to wear new clothes given by Christ, not the old ones that they wore before they were Christians, which is why I've entitled this teaching New, Not Old. So what were the old clothes? Well, Paul starts making a list in verses 5 to 9 of chapter 3 of Colossians. And he says this, So put to death, that's what we've just seen, the sinful earthly things lurking within you. List follows. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Well, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Now, the tense that Paul uses here, if anybody is interested in grammar, aorist imperative tense, is, 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 is the tense of once and for all be rid of these things. Don't dilly-dally, don't waste your time, but as soon as you're aware of them, throw them off, put them away. Um, as uh, some versions say, put them to death. Um, and it's all, we're able to do that because of what Christ has done for us, because of his death and resurrection and he's talking to a church of believers who quite clearly just like us are not yet fully mature therefore he's saying whatever the wherever the old clothes are still in existence take them off and I think it's important for us to be reminded to allow the Holy Spirit to whisper things in our hearts like now that way you speak at home that tone of voice it needs to change now and to be responsive to his prompting, which always comes with the assurance of forgiveness to follow and hope for the future, that we will be changed to be more like Christ, or whatever it happens to be. But allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that becomes a part of our lifestyle, allowing God to speak and point things out with his spotlight in his loving, gracious, gentle way 
knowing he's dealt with that already on the cross, but also then encouraging us to live without those old clothes. So what are the new clothes? Well, verses 12 to 14 gives another representative list as the first, because that's not an exhaustive list, was a representative list of old clothes. Now we have a list of new ones. So since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, remember I said that Paul is addressing a church, not just individuals within it. And he's saying, let these things be characteristic of who you are as a company of God's people. Let there be this atmosphere of gentleness and of tender mercy, of kindness, of graciousness, of love, um, and uh, so forth uh, amongst you. And a church is God's chosen people, loved by him and holy, which is a wonderful thing because we're corporately in Christ, because of what he's done uh, for us. Therefore, because of that, clothe yourselves with these characteristics which are in such short supply in our world today. See, tender-hearted mercy, or often called compassion, is a deep sensitivity to the needs and the sorrows of others. Kindness is a gracious sensitivity towards others that genuinely cares for their feelings and needs and selflessly does something about them. Humility, well, Jesus showed his humility by washing his disciples' feet and then giving up his rights as he went to the cross. Humility allows us to lay down our lives for others and serve them without caring whether it's noticed or not. It honors the person in the room above ourselves. Gentleness is the effect of humility in our approach to other people. And patience is the effect of humble kindness on our reaction to other people. Don't we need those things? So this is a corporate image, taking off the old and putting on the new, which actually is going on all the time. Now, a week ago last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, uh, a number of us in the church were at a wedding here. The place was beautiful, and so were all the guests. It was Darlington and Parley, um, and uh, they uh, got married. They're in the east side, um, and uh, we... You know what it's like when you get ready for a wedding? I mean, the wedding, you know, about an hour and a half before, due to be here, you start thinking about what you're going to wear. Well, we thought about what we're going to wear earlier than that, but you start getting into what you're going to wear. And so you start putting on uh, your clothes, you know, so there's me putting on a nice, clean, white shirt and uh, just, you know, working out which tie I'm going to wear, what matches with what Catherine's wearing and all that kind of thing. This sort of thing. Well, perhaps I'm the only one, I don't know. Anybody else do this sort of thing? Uh, and uh, Jeff does. <laughs> and uh, then, <clears throat> of course, you're in the process. And, I'm, and before that, we're just wearing sort of household clothes, the sort of thing, you know, like a pair of jeans you just wear around the house. 
you know, you don't even go out in, but and that kind of thing. And, you know, so you've got a nice shirt on and everything else, and then you've got these old jeans on. Um, and, you know, there's a bit of, there's a process, isn't there, in the process of the change of putting on the new, and you've still got a bit of the old that still needs to go off. And that's church life, and that's the Christian life. It's about, you know, it's an ongoing thing. As God makes it clear, you put it off, that which is old, but gradually we're putting on more and more of the new as he gives us the strength and the ability and shed lights in it, and as we get encouraged by one another to do so as well. And when everybody arrived for the wedding, I mean, everybody looked immaculate, beautiful. Oh, it's just amazing, joyous, vibrant uh, wedding. Uh, but, uh, and, and it's a bit of a picture of all of us in Christ. You know, we are all constantly in the process of putting off the old. That's what Paul's encouraging, but also putting on the new and growing in that. And it can get a bit messy at times. But when it's in an atmosphere of tender mercy, gentleness, love and forgiveness, then it's a secure place by which we can be changed more and more to be like Jesus Christ. So Paul then talks about putting on the new nature. And that's my strap line, my one-liner. Put on your new nature. And the verse it comes from is verse 10. It says, put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Now the tense for this, whereas putting off the old is like, get rid of it, put it to death, throw it off, strip it off. The tense for this is present continuous. It's go on putting it on. Let it be a lifestyle of growing in the very things, into the very clothes that Christ died to give you. And that's uh, what so many of us are familiar with in our walk with God. Now you think, well, hang on a minute. How do we live this way? Well, Paul gives us two very practical things that in these verses that we can apply to our lives. And the first one is, see ourselves as we are in Christ. And so in the first four verses of chapter 13, he says these things. He says, first one, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And one of the things he's saying here is in the same way that Christ is honored in heaven, through us, may he also be honored here on earth, amongst us. And then he goes on and he says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And sometimes you hear the phrase, oh, that person's too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Paul is not saying that here. What he's saying at this point is this. He's, he's reminding them of what the church is to be. You see, the church is, uh, it, there isn't a temple in, but the church is the temple, it's the body of Christ. It's, it's where heaven touches earth. That's who we are. And so it's not just in the worship and the presence of God and with miracles that sometimes take place amongst us. You think, oh, God's with us. This is like, you know, the presence of God. It's actually an ordinary everyday life. Just how we relate to each other, how we're growing in him, how we are in our character and so forth. It's all to do with heaven touching earth. Jesus connected with, vitally connected with, and he's at work by his spirit and his word and through each of us in our lives. And then he carries on and says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Isn't that fantastic? That's our future. Now you can preach on any one of those. Uh, But really, those four verses give us um, the Christian's true status, past, present, and future. Past, you've died with Christ, and you've been raised to new life with Christ. That happened when we became Christians. That's what baptism is all about. When you got baptized in water, you you went under the water and you died to your old self. You let it bury because Christ died for you and forgave your sins and it was buried. And when you came out of the water, you entered into new life, following him, the resurrected Christ, raised with him and seeking to live a life now that pleases him. So that's uh, that's the status that we have now as Christians um, and, and past which cannot be changed and it's a good one. And then he goes on for the present, and we are hidden with Christ in God. In other words, you've got a relationship with Christ. You, you live, you walk, you talk with him, you, you're learning from him, you're seeking to follow him. There's a personal friendship going on uh, in your life. And even if others don't recognize it and don't believe it, you know that it is real. And then he goes on and, and says uh, that we will share in his glory. That's future. And our status is assured. And Paul is saying, think of yourselves in this way. And when you do that, change into the likeness of Christ becomes inevitable. Now, tell you about another wedding. Some many years ago, we used to have someone in the church uh, whose name was Andrea. It's not someone who's now in the church because after they got married, she moved to London. But she got married. Um, to somebody who wasn't at Woodside and the, the actual service took place where she had a lot of relatives and friends. It was the Miracle Church of God right in the centre of Bedford uh, between the railway station and the town centre. And uh, it was another of those vibrant weddings. It was just amazing. Most of the family, most of the guests were originated from the Caribbean and it was just... Uh, all, all the groomsmen... And all the bridesmaids of honours and bridesmaids, they were all dressed in white. I mean, the men, you know, white suits, white shoes, white shirts, white ties. And I guess they may have had white socks. (laughs) And it was just amazing. It was a great wedding reception was here. But one of the things that that makes me think about is this as an illustration, now this is a fictitious bit, I'm adding to the story of this wedding. Just imagine one of the ushers wearing all the white gear, walking to the wedding, nice sunny day, maybe whistling or there's some way that a friend of his who is not invited to the wedding, who is trying to loosen a bolt under his car with a spanner but unable to do so, He hears the friend going to the wedding. He doesn't know he's going to the wedding, but he hears him come down the road, calls out from under the car, so can you just come and help me a minute? He's a very obliging friend, this one going to the wedding. He he always helps his friends out. But on this occasion, he says, no, I can't. Well, he, friend under the car, comes out, has a look at him, suddenly understands why. Why not? Because he'd get grease and he'd get all sorts all over oil. Uh, over his suit you see he could go and be obliging and help but it would be unthinkable bearing in mind what he's wearing 
And if we see ourselves as who we really are, clothed with Christ, clothed with all these wonderful things we see in chapters one to in verses one to four, suddenly we suddenly realise what Paul said somewhere else: grace teaches us to say no to sin. Talks about actually, yes, it's possible to do, but actually it becomes unthinkable. These are things we threw away, and we don't want to put the old clothes on. We're now dressed in the new. Does that make sense? Anyway, if that's helpful to you, it's always been helpful to me, just thinking uh, that particular sort of illustration. But here's another one. Um, we, uh, Catherine and I, we have our, uh, three quarters of our family over from Japan. They came this week. Hooray. So our daughter-in-law, Noyuri, and two grandchildren. Of course, we've got Rosemary here, but uh, other two, Eleanor, who's five, and Joseph, who's three. And, and they arrived in the week from Japan, our son Dave comes in a couple of weeks' time. He can't get as much time as uh, for work reasons off, but he'll be with us for two weeks. So Thursday morning, Joseph and Eleanor woke up at 2 a.m. Japan time is eight hours ahead. They've already had a three-hour, <laughs> as far as their body clock's concerned, sleep in, because they'd normally get up at seven. And so it seemed quite reasonable. And they were so wide awake, it was impossible to get them back to sleep. And so Noyuri, not us, uh, had to tend to them uh, for what seemed like a day, even before we got up uh, at 7 uh, in the morning. Friday, it was 3 a.m. Same process all over again. This morning, they came to the 9 o'clock service. It was 6.30. Oh, Now, normally, their routine is 7 in the evening they go to bed and they get up at seven. Uh, and we're nearly there. And Noiri's done all the hard work, you know, the cajoling, the, you know, working out when the nap time should be and all the encouragement and now you can't do this now, you could just stay awake and blah, blah, blah. But you see, what there was, was some endurance and some patient endurance, and she's very, very patient. Uh, and the New Testament is full of talking about the perseverance of faith. See, the Christian life is not, oh, well, whatever happens, happens. Or whatever God does, God does. Well, whatever God does, God does do. But he's also asking us to work along with him. And it's not just seeing ourselves as we are, but it's also then making good decisions, which is the second thing. You see, the children, our grandchildren, were in the UK. They've been transferred from one nation into another by an airplane very quickly, well, relatively quickly. But actually, Japan time difference was still in them and has taken a while to work out. And that's what the Christian life is like. That's why Paul says, throw off the old, but keep putting on the new. Which takes me to the last point, which is this. Paul keeps saying over and over again in this particular passage, make good choices. Can we just skip the next slide, please, and go straight to the list? We make choices. We decide to live in line with who we now are in Christ. And 10 times Paul gives us choices to make in these verses. Set your sights on. Think about. These are choices he's, he's asking us to make. Put to death. Have nothing to do with. Don't be. Get rid of. Don't lie. Put on. Clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with love. Those are choices. And so as we see ourselves as who we are in Christ and then make good choices, guess what? With God's help, and with his ability within us, we find that we grow to be more and more like Christ. And there's something of his character that becomes increasingly evident 
in our lives. That's what Paul is talking about here. And every person that is going to follow on with their preaching and teaching is going to take an aspect of what they uh, have seen from other, what Paul continues to teach about living this new life and what it actually means. So there's a whole load to follow uh, in uh, the following weeks. Just going to leave us with a, a quote from Fillmore, who's written an excellent and very accessible um, uh, commentary on uh, Straight to the Heart series on Galatians to Colossians. And on these verses, he says this: "May we never be fu- uh, we may never be fully sinless in this life, but we should definitely sin less." We simply need to embrace the fact that our old self has died with Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to bring our lifestyle into line with our new identity. When we set our minds on things above and not earthly things, Jesus gives us the strength to follow through on what we know and should and shouldn't wear. And so for each of us, let's think on what our status in Christ really is. It's new, not old. Dead to the old life, raised to new life with him. Hidden with Christ in God, destined to share in his glory. Think of yourself in this way. And let's put on our new nature. Make good choices. Continually putting on the new clothes that Christ has given us. Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience that's good for a start isn't it while wherever our old life reappears ensure we once and for all through repentance and faith in the power of the holy spirit get rid of these things which has all been made possible through the death and resurrection of christ You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.